Hey, it's been a while. I've been thinking about a specific question. What is our value? Like, how do we quantify the monetary worth of ourselves? It's not really something you can do. There's no mathematical equation. And I was reminded by a friend, how do you quantify the many people whose lives you may have touched by a random act of kindness, by saying hello, Being the one to make the difference in someone's life one day. And not really knowing the far reaches of that act. So that got me thinking like, Is a service member who's someone who's currently in, are they worth more than a veteran who's gotten out? One who by society standards is damaged, broken. And I can't even say that it's been a question that I just have started to think. I found a penny once. The penny was missing some chunks from the center. And I still have this penny and I recently put it in my hand and I asked my girls the question again that I did when I found it. If the penny is missing pieces, is it still worth a penny? And when I asked them when they were little, they said, it's still a penny. It's still worth a penny. And then I asked them again, and they said, I don't know. It's still a penny, right? I said, it is. But the weight has changed. As veterans, don't we feel like, well, I, let me speak to that again. As a veteran, I sometimes feel my value lacking because I find it so hard to contribute the way other people have. But there's been a lesson in that because I've learned That I am not like I am not um, I don't find value in what other people would. 
I don't have a nine to five job. And I don't place value on asking things like, what do you do? When people ask me that, I, my mind just either has so many answers that it's so complicated that I say nothing. <laughs> like that is actually my response. I say nothing. I don't do anything. I'm a, and I've started saying it out loud. I'm a disabled combat veteran. And people just kind of tilt their head. And they see me standing there. And they're calculating in their head how I, how I look. Like I'm good to go. Now if you're sensitive, some would even say... That's when you start to feel them judging you like you look fine. Go get a job or whatever it is. Maybe that's my presumption of what I feel. But that's also why I don't answer the many things that I do do. I'm a helper of the community. I believe uplifting those who are in need. I find value in that because to feel so worthless Not just in my adult life, my entire life. You know, growing up, I was a burden. How can you be a child to a child? My mother was 14 when she got pregnant, 15 when she had me. And along with being pregnant with me, she had all these secrets. And I don't, I don't judge her for those secrets. I just... I've moved past them and, and recognize that those secrets do damage to people. It's far-reaching. And it manifests into how we operate. One lie becomes two lies, becomes your entire life of lies to protect that child inside.
I mean, we'll talk about the obvious thing here. I have a pen name that I go by. Lady Jane Unknown. All this time I've been trying to hide who I am or find find who I am. And in finding There's no amount that my life or my children's life or even the little tiny dog who's sitting next to me and these are the the closest to me So how do you, how do you discuss that? It gets you angry that you're ever put in a position and a lot of dangerous positions to one, know that To a corporation, your value is nothing. It's another very dangerous game to play. Essentially, you're gambling with someone's life. Testing their mental fortitude. Testing their own self-worth, honestly. Somewhere along the last week and a half, honestly, really, Clearly looking at how this year started and these situations that I've been put into. Deadly situations, honestly. It's a game to test mental fortitude of do you give in? give up or pretty much just say fuck it I'm not giving up shouldn't ever push people to that point because you will always lose A corporation should always lose. My value 
is unmeasurable in every facet of this life. Just as the broken souls that stand on the side of the road, something inside of them is broken. And I've had this conversation with, you know, people that I thought highly of, you know, that were established, that had what seemed like their life in order. But something was askew because our thoughts were not the same on the subject. And if you thought talking about politics <laughs> was a heated discussion, I don't even go towards that direction. I simply posed a question, a very basic question. What do you do when you see someone standing in the center island holding a sign that says homeless? Please help. Anything helps. And I was quite shocked at the response. And, and this is actual conversations. These are actual responses. Like, I'm not... One response was, I will not give them my hard-earned money. And when I followed up with why, they said because they're going to buy drugs and alcohol and... They need to do X, Y, and Z. And at that moment, I was always pulled to Thou shall not judge, and the magnitude. The depths of what that means was, it was missed altogether. I even kind of said like, words are very powerful. I said, just give them some change. You know, like what you're giving them is something they're seeking change the maybe I'm going to get this wrong but the entomology of words have they're fascinating like they're powerful 
the breakdown of what words actually mean. It fascinates me so much that when my oldest daughter comes up with these little slang sayings, like it it irritates me. I'm just like, just say the entire word. She's like, for example, she she came home one day and she started saying, that's sus. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, it's sus. Like it's suspicious, suspect. I said, why don't you just say the word? And she goes, because that's not how you say it. And I said, the <laughs> the word is not how you say it or the slang. And she just kind of looks at me a little sideways. And now I even kind of say it sometimes just to to see her face like that's totally sus. And then she'll correct me. It's kind of full circle there. You know, to... And the reason why it bothered me, and I tried not to make a big deal about it, but I, I did try to even provoke another another thought to see if they would arrive where I did with what they had said to me. Like, why, why even give them money? Like, just, you know, give them food. You can put, like, extra clothing in your car. And then we, we get to another conversation about how those, those... Like this specific group of people, they don't want help. They're just looking for handouts. I find it so incredibly hard to ask for help. Because usually, in my experience, help has never come without strings. Always, there's always something. And that's frustrating. But the assumption of what they're going to do with their hard-earned money really bothered me. And the, and the longer I attended this specific church the more profound that statement became to me the assumptions we make it's kind of judging at its finest moment you don't actually have tangible proof. So it is. It's an assumption. 
But when you do have proof, then that is not... It's not a judgment on what the, what could or could not happen and at this moment I'm kind of getting hit with something else and don't get me wrong um, you know I love people I really do but I rather give in different forms to people, not organizations. Because your assumption is they're going to do right with that money. Right? You know? People of faith wouldn't misappropriate, misappropriate funds. And to be the person to question that. <laughs> oh. Social pariah. You know, like. I'm just glad they don't burn people, like, at the stake anymore. Like. <sighs> but to have these ideas in that environment. kind of makes you question like is that toxic like my way of thinking or their way of thinking no like I I heard it and I let it go it didn't change like my love for that person I still love that person you know It's a little disappointing, if I'm being honest. The irony of what it was that they were conveying to me. I always, ever since that song, uh, I think it was by Lisa Loeb. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Trying to make his way home. If God had a name, what would you... Would you call him? Hmm. Would you know? So I tell my children, ever since I was younger, I always imagined homeless people being like angels in disguise. Would you ever know? Or wouldn't you just treat them with kindness? And give what you had and not assume 
anything about them but give freely Graduated in 2000. It's 2023. The kindness. That I used to people. Used to see people exhibit. When I was in high school. It's far different. And I've wondered if it's the place. I grew up in Florida. And now I'm in South Carolina. I don't think it's the place. Maybe it's a sign of the times. But it is different. It has changed in the last 23 years. It's sad sometimes to get around people who are struggling. They put on the bravest faces. They're trying so hard. It's a it's a certain sadness deep within their eyes that you can if you look you can see it. People are trying. And to pinpoint, you know, what's happening, why it's happening. It's a lot. You know, I I wish I had a switch to turn off and not think about these things, but it bothers me. It bothers me when people suffer in silence. It bothers me when we are devalued. Because we're not vocal about our contributions, placing our importance on things we do. Let's get one thing straight. (laughs) Uh, I am humble as fuck. And if you would have asked me last year or even last month I don't know if I would have been able to say that I'm fucking awesome. Like, 
how many of us acknowledge that we are fucking awesome? It's not easy to arrive there. But if you look at your children, you'll see it reflected back to you. So to devalue yourself You're doing yourself a disservice. Not just to you, your children, you know, but <laughs> you know, the Mac Daddy up in the sky, like <laughs> the creator. He knows our hearts. He knows who he created us to be and to listen to anyone tell you that you're wrong for loving a different way who you love, how you love, what you love it breaks my heart that that gets in and that sometimes causes all these questions to erupt sometimes you just get Another person, another person falling in line. <sighs> Trying to figure out how I, I started this podcast. Our value. How do we quantify our value? There's no value. penny is still worth a penny regardless <clears throat> if it's missing a chunk and if I didn't like the penny so much and the thoughts that came from you know a busted penny I go out and I test the theory and use it but I like the penny And it's when I 
think about these things out loud to where I can hear my voice. That I'll have these little memories that come to the forefront. I worked at Publix in high school. It's actually one of the the last job that I I worked at. <clears throat> as much as I could when I was graduating. Oh. At one point in high school, I I worked three jobs, went to school. But Publix, I worked at as much as, I think it was allowable, which was 30 hours. I had signed up to go into the delayed entry program for the Navy. I think I'm... I've already talked about driving to the recruiting station at 15 and the recruiter looking at me and saying, you're not supposed to be here. Because <laughs> I had snuck out on my learner's permit to get there. And the guy I grew up thinking as my dad, still my dad, he had got me a car before, you know, he moved out of state. It's like the best car, by the way. A 1987 Nissan Maxima. It's a silver color, four-door sunroof, and it talked. <laughs> uh, and that wasn't even the coolest part. Like, the frame of this body was steel. And I want to say he paid right around $2,000, like $2,500, if I'm not mistaken, for this car. And the man works. Like, he's a master carpenter. But to this day, he works on all his vehicles. So to understand that, he thoroughly checked his car out. He did. Anyhow, <clears throat> um, so I, I hadn't quite remembered why and what age I knew that I would go into the Navy, but it was quite young, and I found a letter last year from like 1994, and there it was. I found a letter reminding me where me going into the Navy came from. And that's probably another podcast, but yeah, I worked for Publix and I got called early, asked if I wanted to go in early. This is after I graduated. I think it was in, in June of 2000. 
I said, yeah, of course. June 25th. It's my official date. Went into Publix, told them that I was going in early and... another another chapter that's very hard to swallow the point was actually reminding me of the customers that I had such amazing customers I mean I was there all the time just working. Um, just always with a broken smile, per se. Just there to be kind and get my work done and wait for the next day to do it all over. I used to have this customer that would always say these things to me. And it seemed like every time he came through my line, he, he had a new one for me, but he would always say, like, pennies from heaven. Angel kisses. A girl without freckles is like a night sky without stars. I would always just kind of sit there and look at him and just, you know, laugh it off like, oh, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. Um, I think my favorite book growing up was Freckle Juice <laughs> by Judy Bloom. Like, how do you get rid of the freckles? Because no one else had them. And I always was constantly the source of people picking on me for a multitude of reasons, but freckles would be one of them. How strange. Even stranger is getting to be, I think it was couple years ago in my late 30s and realizing freckle juice the book by Judy Bloom there's another book and essentially Judy Bloom recreated freckle juice as a spinoff and if I were closer to all my books, I would tell you the author, but I remember picking up this book and and thinking to myself, like, are you kidding me? Like, this isn't, she's not even the original author. And, <clears throat> and then I found something called the public domain, where things kind of essentially become like free 
And it would have been perfectly legal to take an idea and kind of redress it as your own. Now, I'm not saying that's what she did, but the book is very similar in nature. But to back up a little bit, the reason why me talking about Publix is so hard. I left in 2000 before conflict had erupted. And there was legislation created and that backed up prior to me actually leaving that I could have, you know, saved my job, given me a job when I got out. Huh. Well, I followed up with that. Went to apply at Publix when I got out. I applied several times, actually. And then I I finally got so upset that I called their corporate office and started doing some digging as to why I didn't immediately get a call. And, like, explanation of not being hired. Turns out, according to them, that that law was only applicable for an enlistment. So I should have gotten out in 2004. So if I would have gone back to Publix in 2004, then I would have been rehired and my salary like my pay would have stayed with incremental um benefits you know still going it's not what happened at all we went from one conflict to another We went from Operation Iraqi Freedom into Operation Enduring Freedom. And the responses I got from them, there's there's two actually. One was they had me listed as quitting. And even though I corrected them, um they said, "Well, your job wouldn't have been saved because it was only for, you know, the conflict. And I said, well, which one are you referring to? Because I was in two conflicts. I was in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. They said it didn't apply I had to let it go because honestly I had 
two small babies. Um, actually, I don't, I'm not quite sure I had had my second daughter, but I was facing foreclosure and I had a lot of stuff happening. And maybe these are one of these trails that I was meant to to go down just to kind of grasp what has been happening and why these things bother me so much. Because there's no accountability. Which ties into why am I even trying to quantify my value? The lack of accountability, the responsibility. <clears throat> so, Publix, I told them that they needed to go back and check their records, and I told them I would send them my DD 214, which shows my enlistment dates. And they said, Well, <sighs> The store manager has you listed as quitting on the spot. And I actually had a family member who stayed working there who could verify that it didn't actually quit. Um, they said, well, he actually still works for Publix, so we can follow up with him to make sure it wasn't an error. And I said, great, please do that. Because uh, that is a mistake. I didn't just quit. That's not who I am. Nor has it been who I have ever been. Imagine my surprise when they came back and said, yeah, that the manager said you, sh- you quit, which makes you ineligible for that legislation to be applicable to me as the second reason. The first being, you know, it was only good for one conflict, not two. And yeah, listing me as quitting. Honestly, I got off the phone with that corporate HR manager and I said, well, one day you'll hear back from me again. It's been years and eventually, yeah, it does matter. It has always mattered pretty sure I need to look into it but that legislation was not just applicable for one conflict we have been in conflict I like found a fortune cookie <laughs> just um the fortune in a fortune cookie I had found, because some, like I save them all, and sometimes I find them in random spots, um, even though I usually keep them all together with a, a sewing needle pinned through them all. 
sometimes when I find random ones, I'll flip it over and see what it says. It's kind of like a little message, a little God wink, per se. Um, But I found this one the other day. It's, the price of greatness is responsibility. And I was just talking about accountability. And honestly, the the back tone of this podcast is about corporations, these companies that become so big. And we have these ideas about how they got to be so big, right? How they got to be so great. The responsibility factor. I have started to realize there is no accountability. And honestly, I need to look up the word because I'm sure I'll I'll get some history as to what, how, just how far-reaching the word means. To be held accountable. You know, I'm just one person. <clears throat> but I'm a, I'm an awesome person, right? Because my value is not placed in you know, what my job is. I place my value on who I am for my children. Like, they need me. And I can do that. Sometimes, not very well, it seems, but I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to do that. So that's what I do. I also I'm nice to people. <laughs> it's important. That we are nice to people because you know, you don't ever know what that person is going through. And most people, they don't care. Their plate is full of things they're dealing with and they don't necessarily take the time or they can't process what other people are going through because they're struggling. And that's what I see. I see a lot of struggle, a lot of sadness. So if I can say hello, or, I don't know, make someone feel seen, it's what I do. And I have to tell you, I've, I see the blessings They stare back at me. (laughs) 
and they remind me. It's always sometimes much bigger than we we ever can imagine, but it is important. We are important. We may be damaged, but that doesn't diminish our value. And you can't quantify in a dollar amount what we're worth. Thank you for listening. And although I talk and speak to you as Lady Jane Unknown, I know (laughs) who I am. And there's a plan. And it's going to be all right. So don't ever give up. Never give up. They say storms always come with the presence of rain. She loved to dance in the rain. And when it was sunny, it often made her sad. Because it was always raining. It's the analogy of growing in times of immense darkness. When something suddenly changes and it appears to be better, you find yourself waiting. Waiting for the rain. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. You can't settle yourself in a bright and sunny day, which could mean, you know, happiness, joy, fulfillment. Because up until that point, it's always rained. How do we resolve that? a testimony of of resiliency and faith at that trying to figure out how to be happy when it's raining actually when those storms come and when that rain is present you settle in because that's all you've ever known but you've never really been happy when it's been happening you've just been surviving there's a transition that takes place when faith takes hold or something that speaks to your soul that lets you know that it's, it's going to be okay There's that knowing deep down inside. And every day is a struggle. Don't get me wrong. 
every day is a struggle to tell that voice that's but what if it's not that is the everyday struggle but you have to settle in to knowing it's going to be okay because if you look back on your life it always has been in times of great trials and tribulation can look back and see yourself in that pivotal point and recognize how you felt that the sky was indeed falling and how could you survive if the sky was falling and then you look